Today's episode is brought to you by ValdezMotorsport.com. Welcome to Driven to Compete, where we interview badass, high-performing individuals to learn more about their competitive spirit and share their stories as a form of inspiration for our community. Well, I'm here with Charlie Valdez, and we are on the UNC Charlotte campus where he's going to school right now. Um, and I've raced with Charlie, gosh, the last last couple years, um, and learned a lot from Charlie, but not nearly enough to keep up with him. <laughs> uh, but it's been a blast. So I've had opportunity to come up um, on this side of the country from Austin. And uh, Charlie's running a business, going to school, and I'm, I'm not sure if he's getting on the track too much nowadays with as many credits as he's taking, but um, just want to kind of share his story with everybody and uh, find out more about his business. And then, you know, just kind of an inspiration because um, I'm 51, you're probably 18, little higher. Oh, 19. Yes, sir. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Before you know it, you're going to be my age, dude. <laughs> oh, you got so long to go. But anyway, um, tell us a little bit about um, what's going on in your life right now. Well, biggest thing right now is obviously just making it through school. Um, as far as I'm concerned, you know, I know college is important and I do need a backup plan, but my main goal and my main priority is my baby, which is my business, and that's about this motorsports. Um, right now, there's really not a whole lot to it, but just keeping my head down and pushing through it. Uh, 18 credit hours is really a full-time job, and having a full-time job on top of it makes it a little more stressful, but getting through it. Well, tell me about, tell me about the, the team, how and where you race, how does it work, all that kind of good stuff. Yeah, for sure. So Valdez Motorsports is based out of Wimberley, Texas. I'm running it from up here. I fly down there at least once a month to make sure that the team and the crew is doing good, make sure the cars are up to standard and keep it rolling, so to speak. I started this business with my father about seven years ago, and it was so that I could support my own racing, and it did that. But as I've gone on, I've kind of learn that it's more than that. It's more than just something to fund my my habits and my hobbies. It's going to be my lifestyle. Um, so basically what we do is we rent out seats. And seats in racing lingo means a rented car in a series, whether it's an endurance series or a sprint series, such as SCCA or NASA. Us particularly, we, we rent out seats in WRL. And WRL is a semi-professional endurance series. We run with cars ranging from brand new factory cup cars all the way to Lemons cars. But as it's progressed, I've kind of seen an opening in the market. There is either teams that offer a decent experience at a low price or professional teams that offer a professional experience at a professional price. So my goal in all of Valdez Motorsports is to provide that professional feel of a 
of a GT Cup car team or a Pirelli team, SRO, with the cost of a lower funded team. For drivers like me, I've always wanted to do an arrive and drive. I've always wanted to show up to a race and drive, and for a time I was able to, but it takes a lot of money to do that. So for people like me in my shoes at eight, you know, 16 to 18 years old, for my future and for Valdez Motorsports' future, I want to make sure that the people like me can have that experience that I wanted that I didn't get to have. So tell me about, so some, th some people won't know the difference between a sprint and an endurance type race. With an oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So help them understand that because that helps them understand the format and how they might be able to reach out to you to kind of get some seat time. Right, so me and Carrie actually, we did sprint racing together in a class called B-Spec and it's these little egg looking cars, you know, Mazda 2s, Honda Fits, Mini Coopers, but it's very competitive and like extremely competitive and you know that. Yeah. But those races will be anywhere from 30 minutes to 45 minutes to 10 minutes. You know, it, it all kind of depends on how the race goes. An endurance race is based on time, right? It's not based on laps. So for an endurance race, I'll give you an example. Uh, June 9th through 10th, we have a race coming up at Daytona. And this race is going to be 14 hours straight from start to finish. And one driver doesn't do all 14 hours, obviously. That'd be insane. So the way we set it up is we have three or four different drivers in each car and each one will take about two to three hours driving the car switch out get a rest and then go back in later in the day just so that they're refreshed and they don't make any mistakes because Carrie, you know when you get tired you make mistakes yeah and i didn't even do any endurance <laughs> races right so the closest thing i've ever done was 45 minutes and that was like the longest i'd been in a car so two to three hours is a lot because you're on the edge the whole time so um so tell me a little bit about, um, is, it, is it completely inexperienced people? Do they have to have some experience? They've got to get a driver's, they've got to get a, a competition driver's license. Um, tell, tell the folks a little bit more about how someone would approach something like this. So every team is different, but for our team, I run it as a case-by-case -case basis. I would like to think that I have decent judgment when it comes to someone's driving, if they're safe, smart, and fast, which is our motto. I'll, I'll vet them a bit. I'll see their past experience. I'll talk to a couple of their friends, different drivers that know them and that have raced with them. If they have a SCCA license and they're off their provisional or any you know, NASA license or full competition license, you can race with us no problem. If you don't have that credibility backing your name, I have to see that you're going to go out there and you're going to take care of our cars and not tear it up. But at the same time, if you are new and you are starting to get into motorsports and you haven't had the chance to actually have wheel to wheel, I typically personally work with the drivers so that I can feel them out. We can go out there. We will do test days at Harris Hills Raceway. We'll take out a couple of the cars and I'll go out there with them and I'll do a couple wheel-to-wheel -wheel practice you know, sessions with them and I'll kind of see where their head's at and if they can go further. And if they can go further, then we'll put them in a race car for one of the endurance races, which is the best bang for your buck by far because you get five to six hours of seat time for the cost of a sprint race. Yep. So um, I know that probably prices are changing all the time, but can you give a 
a general idea or you want to share maybe what it might cost for somebody to work with you guys? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So <clears throat> I'll show you here. Okay. So right now we have two cars with a third one on the way. This one is Claire. Claire is a 2006 spec MX-5 cup car. It was built to spec. I know we have hood louvers and they're not legal, but we have another hood. So if it wanted to run spec MX-5, it could. We also have Betsy, another 2006 MX-5. But Betsy has a 2.5 and she's running what we call GP2. So in WRL, there are different class fields. I'll show you the series here, right? This is the schedule that we had this year so far. But it's broken up into power to weight. And this is why I love WRL, right? Because most race series, you have point modifiers. Every chassis has a starting point. Every part, you know, whatever, right? WRL is purely power to weight. Purely power to weight. So you build the fastest car you can within the guidelines that they set for us. And it's all out racing. So we offer two cars currently. Third car is on the way. But we offer one in GP3, which is the lowest of the five classes, GP2, and GP1. So GP3 and Claire, we start out about 3,000 a race. And that has a catering included that includes a RV for a driver lounge because most of the time a driver will get out the car and they'll be pretty hot and eager to relax. So we make sure to provide that food, you know, breakfast, lunch, dinner. I provide coaching services and overall we provide a great time. In GP2, we start at $3,500 and in GP1, we start at $4,000. And it doesn't go up, it doesn't go down. We make sure to have a base price for every race no matter where it is, just to keep consistency, right? Because consistency is key, especially in endurance racing. Gotcha. So how many, I mean, right now, what's the next event that you have where you may have some openings? So the next one that we're going to be doing is Daytona, and okay. Daytona is going to be a 14-hour race. Yep. Um, it's going to be through the night, under the lights. If you've never driven Daytona, if you've never driven Daytona, period, and you want to drive it, driving under the lights is pretty, it's a, it's a, it's a cool experience for sure. <laughs> it's not like Sebring where, oh my gosh, Sebring is pitch black at night, <laughs> I swear, it's pitch black. But Daytona's pretty lit up. After Daytona, we have Road Atlanta coming up. Road Atlanta is going to be July 28th to the 30th. That's going to be a GP class only. So the GP classes that I explained earlier, there's GP3, GP2, GP1. And then you have GPU and then GTO. G GPU is mostly tube chassis race cars, like kind of LMP style cars, you know, old late models, you know, tube chassis race car. GTO is our version of a unlimited class. So in GTO, you're going to have brand new Porsches, AMGs, you name it, it's, it's been there. I mean, we have, we have NASCARs running with us in GTO. So it's pretty cool to take one of these Miatas out because on the, on the cornering, on most tracks, you can pass these cars. On the straights, you know, yeah. they might get you, but I've had a couple experiences where I've stayed, you know, with a GT3 M4 for like five or six laps. <laughs> and it, it feels pretty good to go buy them in a Miata. I'm sure they're, they're annoyed by the whole thing. <laughs> oh, I'm sure they are, but it's fun for us. Um, 
So those are the two that are coming up next. And you still have some seats open or not for those? Do you know? So Daytona, we are taking up two cars. For Daytona, we have two seats yep. available out of eight. Yep. So we have currently six spots filled. Road Atlanta, we have three spots left. Okay. And then for Circuit of the Americas, we're going to be taking all three cars. We might have a fourth one done by then, but that's iffy, so I can't promise anything. In December? Right, and that's the national championship. So that's where everyone comes in. And as you know, we're based out of Texas, yeah. so it's, it's not a far drive for us either. And it's always fun to have you know, family and friends around there come out. So how do they do the national championship in that? Is, is it like points throughout the season? or how did, uh, yeah? Right, so it's points throughout the season. Every class has their own championship. There's also a Midwest championship. There's an Eastern championship. And then you have the national championship, which is overall. Currently, right now, as far as GP2 goes, we're running in third for the overall championship. And then for GP3, for GP3, I'm actually not sure where we're standing. Got it. But, I mean, the more that you race, the more potential points you can acquire. So it makes it a little bit more... Um, you have a little bit better chance to, to win by the point. I mean, you ever go into that final race and like, well, we already won because we already have too many points. Is that possible? It's definitely possible, but unlikely. <laughs> WRL is, like I said earlier, it's extremely competitive yeah. as far as competition goes. Uh, for instance, in 2020, I was a part of the team that won the overall national championship. And that was in a GB3 Miata with AOA Motorsports. And our car and their car, I think we were two points in front. Two points. It, like at the end of the race, we were two points for the overall championship. Wow. And each race is, I mean, you get first place, you get 60 points. I mean, it's not, it's not like... How many points you, or, uh, uh, do you accumulate over a season? Like 300 points or something like that? It's somewhere around. It, it really depends. Yeah. Um, for instance, NOLA was double points. Okay. So NOLA, they were trying to advertise to get more people out <laughs> that there. That makes sense. Right. It's a bumpy track. Most of the other ones are normally laid out how they would be. Yeah. Cool. Um, so I know you mentioned what people get, the price they pay for the seat time they get for the weekend. Right. Um, they got to take care of the travel to get there. But once they're there, you've got food for them. You've got the car. You take care of everything. Like basically, it's an arrive and a drive for them, and they don't have to worry about anything. And you've got a crew that can just help with anything that goes on with the car. Um, and then you mentioned you're there for coaching too. So let me just say, like, the coaching alone is worth the price <laughs> of that whole thing. Like, you, if you can get Charlie to coach you. Um, I had, you know, I got lucky because I had Charlie on the same race team as me, so I'd trick him into looking at my, my Garmin <laughs> video and to help me. And every time we found we found some some more for me. So uh, I, I can't wait to get back in the car, but I, I don't know that I'll be, I'll, I'll get a chance to to race with you like we did before. That was really kind of cool. So yeah, unfortunately with. Valdez Motorsport and college, I really just don't have time to do yeah. a whole lot of sprint racing. That and the money side of things. Yep. I'm going to go back eventually. Yeah. I'm going to get back into racing eventually. But right now, I'm just taking a step down to build this up. Because yeah. I, I, I really do believe that this can turn into something that really benefits our community. Because it's a, racing is a small community. And yeah. that's not really talked about. 
You know, there, there's a lot of fans, sure. There's a lot of fans. Mm -hmm. But as far as the people inside of that circle and the people that run it, the people that drive it, there's really not that many. Yeah, you run into the same people everywhere, right? Yeah, and so, it's a chance to either make really great friends or really great enemies. Yeah, you don't want to burn any bridges. <laughs> exactly. Oh my gosh. Um, so I want to know a little bit more about how you started and when did, when did it all start for you? It all started about eight years ago. Um, my father, Joe Valdez, who we, we, started, we started this together, me and my dad. And I'll show a picture of him real quick here. That's my father. This is me explaining why turn three at Coda sucks. <laughs> but that's my dad. This is some of the members of our team. This is my mother up here in the middle. My dad has always had issues with his back from the military. He was in the military for, gosh, like 13 years. He was a Marine. Um, because of this, he was going into another back surgery. For, for he, he had a lot of pain in his back. And he, he actually had a battery in his back. And he'd have to take a wireless charger and charge it every night, and it started giving him problems. So, goes into surgery, it's supposed to be quick and easy, take the battery out, close it back up, fine, right? Doctor cuts part of his spinal cord, paralyzes him from the waist down. He was told he was never going to be able to walk again, right? So, me and his thing, you know, throwing the ball, all that stuff was kind of out of the question. And unfortunately, as a kid, you know, me and my dad really didn't have much of a relationship until we bought a 1952 Chevy Stepside. And we worked on building that together. <laughs> I'd, I'd mainly hold the flashlight and he'd kind of he'd kind of sit there in the wheelchair and tinker with stuff or he'd be telling me what to do and he held the flashlight and then for my 11th birthday he took me out to Harris Hills Raceway and this is the racetrack that's pretty close to Austin and San Marcos I've been right. there a few times and I know you've been there 17,000 times oh, since I've been then. there a lot yeah if it wasn't for Harris Hills Raceway I wouldn't, I wouldn't be here. And that, that's, that's really what it is. If it wasn't for my family, my dad, my mom, I wouldn't be here. You know, we, so I went out there, <laughs> really young age, we start driving, and I'm looking at all these Miatas going by, right? I'm in a Ferrari, I'm getting passed by a Miata. I'm like 11 years old, I'm like, what the heck is going on? Right, and I wasn't interested in Miatas or anything like that. At the time, I was like, if it's expensive, it's fast. I was wrong. <laughs> so after I get out the car, I go up to my dad. I'm like, we need to do this. Like, we, we've got to do this. So we sell that 1952 Chevy Stepside. Loved that truck. Had a big 350 block in it. Flames down the side. Cherry bombs. It was ridiculous. <laughs> but he got me a 2006 NB Miata. And I started practicing on that Miata with a guy named Steve Metz out at Harris Hills who just offered to give me some lessons. And my name started getting out there at the track. I started having people come up to me and my dad saying that, oh, that kid could actually do good. He could, you know, he could go there. He could go places. And they helped me out a lot. You know, at the time, we weren't really financially in a spot where we should have been racing at all. But we were there. And we had a lot of help. And over the course of seven, eight years, over the summer, I've worked in race teams, race shops. I've done every single position right, that it, that it takes to create a team, 
and I've been on a ton of different race teams, and every time I went on a new team, I learned something. Every time I talked to a new person at the track, I learned something. And like I said earlier, I wanted to give that experience that I didn't get, and I had to figure out a way how. And for me, it was Valdez Motorsports. And we've been growing for the past two years, you know. Starting out, definitely had some hurdles to overcome. Definitely had some growing to do. Yeah. Definitely didn't understand what team meant yeah. and what a leader could do for people. So started taking classes, reading books, working for more teams, talking to more people, eventually coming up with the resources, the funding, and the knowledge to run a successful race team. You know, right now we just came back from NOLA, Harris Hills. Harris Hills was wild. So we, we had a champ race at Harris Hills, right? Yep. Eight hours. Started eight laps down because of the modifiers for our car. Oh, okay. Right, that's how it works in champ car. If you have too many points, it's like 100, every 100 points is minus a lap. Oh, wow. Right, so we were way over. But we went down <laughs> eight laps, and we ended up being 15 laps up on the field. Oh, my God. <laughs> at the end of the race. <laughs> and I'm, I'm like, whoa, right? Last 10 minutes, our head gasket blew. Oh. 10 minutes. You know, every driver had a good time that race with us. Yeah. And that's what's most important to us. You know, like they didn't, they didn't go home angry. Yeah. Right. They had a really fun time and they felt it was worth the money. And to, to me, that, that's, that's what, what's worth it. You know, I love winning. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. I love getting a trophy. But having people smile from something that me and my family built together just makes it all that more special for me. Yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a pretty good a heartbreaker there. Now, something I know about you is 11, you're racing around the track in a, a truck, right? The, the vehicle, you said that you were 11, is that right? No, that truck was just, so, so. You had that, you just worked on that. Right, we just, we just built that, and okay. we sold it, and got a Miata. Okay. We got it for I wish prices used to be what they yeah, were. Sure, yeah. So we got a great looking Miata for $2,000. <laughs> you know, it had like 40,000 miles, soft top, mint condition. It was, it was called cherry black was the, was the color code given to it. And it was this beautiful, gorgeous, dark red. It was automatic because I didn't know how to drive stick at the time. But Steve Metz taught me in that and I just picked up from there. But that's when you got on the track with the Miata. Right, with and that Miata. And you were how old then? I was around 12. Okay, when I but first before that, I know you spent some time in a go-kart. Oh, don't get me started. So, you no, know, we're going to get you started. I want to know, All right. that's really where you started. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's definitely where I started. Um, I think we have some video. <clears throat> oh, I thought I had some video here. I have some, but none of that go-kart. Ah. So that go-kart, I had, gosh, it was so ridiculous. I had this little <laughs> red dune buggy, like, like this top-heavy dune buggy. You thought a B-spec was top-heavy. <laughs> this thing was ridiculous. My grandparents thought my, my mom and dad were insane, right? Because got it off Facebook Marketplace, rusted bolts here, broken brake line there. Me and my dad tinkered on it, got it started, flooded the engine, how to fix that. I mean... But once I got going, right, my grandparents had 15 acres of land back in Texas. And every day after school, and I mean every day, and I got this when I was seven. Yeah, I wanted to know when you got started. Seven years old. Every single day I was out there just 
screwing around on that little go-kart. <laughs> there, was, there was one particular day that I remember very well. Uh, I could still feel it. But I decided to do donuts in the field, right? You know, me being all this cool, badass kid who had a little piece of shit go-kart driving around, right? <laughs> I was like, this is a great idea. I'm just going to go do donuts. It was the neighbor's property. Yeah. <laughs> and they were having a wedding there. A wedding rehearsal, like the following week. And you had all this nice, lush, beautiful green grass, flowers, and then just a, <laughs> a, just a dust bowl in the middle of it. And my grandpa chewed me out so hard the entire summer, that summer. He bought those supplies, right, for me to fix it. Uh -huh. So I got, I, got a, I got the seeds, I got the mat, I went down and watered it every day. I even planted flowers. I made it look good, and they had to push back the wedding two weeks, but I did it, and they were okay, because oh it looked better gosh. before. My next summer, I worked off paying my grandfather for all the materials that he had to buy. Yeah. So my grandfather does a lot of uh, commercial real estate, so he gets these junkyard warehouses and then fixes them up. Instead of paying other people to help him, he didn't pay me anything and told me to go work. <laughs> so that's what I did in my, in my summer when I was little is I worked for my grandfather. But um, it taught me a very valuable lesson. It taught me the meaning of a dollar. And it taught me to respect other people's stuff and ask. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but that's how I got started. Cool. Now, did you, just, did you actually race go-karts or you just spend most of your time on the property? No, just the property. I just, it was all dirt. For the most part so i i actually i'm really thankful for it because i think i got a lot of motor skills early as a kid um on counter steering and you know i, I would watch the fast and furious movies and youtube and i'd be <laughs> like i can do that so i try and do it kept practicing on it eventually got to where i could actually counter steer and hold an angle through the corner and stuff like that and back then i was just goofing around but racing has really turned into You know, I say passion often, but mm -hmm. a passion could be a lot of things. It's turned into a lifestyle for me, right? Like most of my life revolves around it. Um, I'm, going, I'm going to school for mechanical engineering technology with a minor in business so that I can make Valdez Motorsport better. On my weekends, I fly down, I go to races, I manage. I mean, really most of my life revolves around it. That's awesome. So we talked about like a one heartbreak you probably have at least one example of like just an incredible race. Maybe you didn't win, but it was just like something you'll always remember. Anything come to mind? You want the good or the bad first? Let's do, I don't, it doesn't matter. Let's, let's do the bad first. All right, so bad first, Road Atlanta. Oh, <laughs> I know this story. Yeah, so Road Atlanta... Um, Qualified first, uh, the first day out there, I was, I was on top of my game. I was ready to go win. Except we were racing with prod cars. Now, this was last year. This was, was it last year? Yeah, because, yeah. It was, sure it wasn't two years ago? No, it was wasn't two years ago. Wow. wow, that's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> Man, so last year I was racing at Road Atlanta. And me and Riley Slayer were neck and neck, and I was catching up to him. And I passed him in the S's. And we're going up to turn five, mm -hmm. right, where it just has that ramp and the prod car in front of me blew an oil pan 
and sprayed oil all in front of that high-speed turn. And mind you, I'm going like 97 miles per hour across this left-hand turn. So hit the patch of oil. And I understeer and oversteer. And then I oversteer more. And then I catch it. And as I'm catching it right, if I turn too much to the left to avoid going in the glitter, I start oversteering. And then I can flip. Right, so I unwind the wheel a little bit, and there's runoff at the end of turn five. You have a you have a bumper on the end of it, and then you just have a ramp of kitty litter, kitty litter, and then a wall. I missed that runoff, right? I didn't I didn't use all that runoff, or I used more than I should have, right? And I dropped a wheel into that kitty litter, and it caught on the edge of that curbing, and I went up a jump, landed. Broke my steering column, and I start turning left, and the car's turning right, and I'm like, what's going on? And I look in the video, and both my wheels are like this, <laughs> right? So I hit the wall, flip once, go 10 feet in the air, flip twice, land on the rear bumper of my car, and then I spin around like a top a couple more times, and then land, right? And I was okay. It... I wasn't worried about dying. I don't know if that's me being stupid or fearless, but I was so upset that my car was getting destroyed. You know, I just as that as car. it's happening, I'm sure it feels so slow. Yeah, you know, it happened in like ten seconds, but it felt like at least five minutes. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm looking through where my windshield used to be, and the sun is just revolving around my head. I'm just like, oh, okay. <laughs> I call my mom right after I had, I always keep my phone on me when I race, just in, in case. And yeah. I call my mom, my mom's freaking out. My mom, I'm good. I'm all right. Ambulance comes in. Everyone's crowding around, looking at the crash. I get in the ambulance, go back, get checked up, go back out. And that was, that was it. Right after that, then I built another B-Spec, started racing it, did really well in it for a while. Did a little too much drafting, coolant hose popped off, car caught on fire, fixed it again, almost went to runoffs, which I really regret not going to runoffs that year, because I feel like that could have been the year to, to do really good at. But I was going into college, so yeah. I really didn't have a choice. You know, yeah. it's, it's a lot of time from moving to yeah. getting classes set up and all, just the preparation of starting a new life, especially moving up here where I don't, you know, I didn't know anyone at first. Yeah. But... Ultimately, it led me to putting more of my effort into Valdez Motorsport. Yeah. So everything happens for a reason. Yeah. And I saw that video from the, the car in front of you, and it was just, it was crazy. Yeah. So, yeah. so that was the agony of defeat on that one. But what, what about something that was just, you were overjoyed with the result of a race that you were in? Funny enough, it's either going to be my first race, first race at Barber. This was with Champ Car. This was five years ago. Mm -hmm. Seven inches of rain. <laughs> Transmission broke. Didn't have a garage. We're under the car fixing it. Literally in a river, like in a, <laughs> in a big puddle. And we're fixing it, change the transmission, get back out on track the next day, and we come second place. And that was the first endurance race I ever did. 
and it's to this day the most crazy. I have never been in a car where I can't see the car in front of me. Like, even if I'm bump drafting the guy, right? There was just that much rain. The only thing you could see is brake lights. And a lot of drivers got out the car. A lot of cars not only just went off track, but went into pits and went off track because they thought it was too dangerous. And granted, it was really dangerous. But I'd never driven in those conditions. For me to stay on track, you know, first time going there, actually having the track in my head and just driving off memory and doing decent in the race, huge accomplishment for me, right? I'm this 14-year-old kid, just finished my first race, did well, never been to the place, couldn't be more happy with it. Second one would be the WRL uh, GP2 Championship. Okay. I drove with AOA. John DeBarros for, it was my birthday actually, he, he let me drive in the car. And I, 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 credit, I credit a good amount of the stuff I know to John. John let me work with him for a while and he, he gave me an entry point into other teams by just connecting me to all these different people. Um, now John's running SRO, he has a bunch of different you know, brand new cup cars, really cool guy. Anyway, but last second of the race, it's me, and this other guy competing for the national championship, right? And John puts me in the car. He goes, go in, get it. I'm in second. I'm about a lap behind. Coming down to the final wire of the race, right? Coming up on this guy. And it was like something out of the movies, right? Both turning around to this final corner. He gets a little bit of oversteer. And I, I swear, it was a hair that I took this guy by, a hair. And in, in the radio, I have John screaming at me like, oh my gosh, you did it. Da, 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 da. I get out of the car, the whole team's cheering, my mom and dad come up and hug me. So that was a big deal for me because I, I never, that was my second WRL race. And the first one was in GP4, which no longer exists because it was too slow. Mm-hmm. And a 1.6 Miata with the whole roof cut off. It, it looked like a production car, but yeah, <laughs> it was not supposed to be there. But yeah, oh, yeah. that's awesome. Um, so two things I want to do. One, I want to make sure that you have a chance to give a shout out or anything to anybody that you want to thank for you know um, what what you've gotten so far and what you expect to accomplish. Um, and then let's tell everybody exactly how to get a hold of you. Um, and, and then I think we'll wrap it up. All right, yeah, for sure. So, first of all, you can look us up online. You type in Valdez Motorsport, we'll pop up. That's on Facebook, Instagram, we have a TikTok, any of those different subjects. You can text my personal number at 512-940-1441. But our website is www.valdez, V-A-L-D-Z, motorsport, M-O-T-O-R-S-P-O-R-T, dot com. And that'll bring you to our domain from here. You know, if you go to race with us, it'll give you all of our info. This is the RV, this is the trailer that we run. At the very bottom, It'll have our contact information. That's on every page. Awesome. Awesome. As far as people to thank, I, I could have a 
hundred yard long list of people to thank. I mean, that includes you, that includes the guys at Chris Taylor, all of my clients that helped me achieve my dream, all the different people that I've worked for, mentors, Liquid Molly, different sponsors that have helped me get to where I am today, especially my mom and dad and my family. They have been so supportive. They're, you know, and obviously, you know, God, the big man upstairs, he's, he's been looking out for me. I'd probably be dead. If, if he wasn't, uh, statistically, but, but yeah, yeah. Uh, thank you so much for having me on here. I, yeah. I've, I've enjoyed talking to you and it's, you know, long time no see. I know it's just good to catch up. Yeah. So it's kind of cool. I get to see you here on campus as I'm, as I'm driving through. Um, uh, I guess one last thing is, um, for let's say people they're they're actually just kind of want to get started. Like they don't know what to do. They just want to get started. Um, how would you, how would you have them like kind of just like get introduced to motorsports somehow. If you want to start doing, carts can be more expensive than club racing, easily. You know, if you go into, and this this is why I push away I push I push away a lot of people from carts who don't have the funding for it. You can do good in carts without funding, but you you will not be a top runner. It's kind of like NASCAR SRO. You know, you, you, you pay for what you get for in that class. You know, it doesn't matter how talented you are. You can do good, you can impress, but it's, it takes a lot of, lot of funding. Get a Miata. Get a Miata, find a club track. You don't have to do anything to that car. Like, honestly, the best drivers, Gino Manley, you know, myself, you know, Pinkerton, lot, lots and lots of drivers have found themselves learning the basics on racing from a unmodified race car, right? And a Miata is a perfect example of that. If you can learn how to be fast in a uncontrolled car, you will be able to control any car and be quick in it. And yeah. that's how I learned. That's how Gino Manley learned. I mean, a lot of professionals out there who've done the same route. Just find a club track, get a Miata, go racing. Awesome. Do laps. Awesome. Well, I want to get out to one of your races this year. So I'm not sure which one I'm going to go to, but I'm going to, I'm going to show up and I just want to hang out and see how everything's run and just see yeah. you guys in action. Yeah, so. come out to Coda. We'll be there. Hometown. I'll definitely do that. Uh, I, may, I, may, I may travel, though, to see, to see another one. Oh, yeah. Road to Land is going to be fun. Yeah. Road to Land is going to be very fun. Man, thank you. Absolutely. Awesome. I want to thank you for listening or watching Drive to Compete. It's been a pleasure sharing this episode, and I hope that we've provided some inspiration and entertainment along the way. I absolutely love hearing from you, and I promise I'll personally respond to every comment, every question, and every request. If you want to connect, start with our website, driventocompete.com. Also, don't forget to subscribe to our newsletter. Whether you reach out or not, please like, subscribe, and share. Until next time, Go kick some ass.